Welcome to Profit and Prosper, a podcast that will empower you to become financially independent as an entrepreneur. I'm your host, Sarah Young, an entrepreneur, wealth coach, and mentor to driven, ambitious female business owners who are ready to take action towards having a richer and more impactful life. I'm here to push you to think bigger about what's possible for your business and life, and I believe that your business is the best way to have more time and financial freedom. Just 10 years ago, I was $55,000 in debt and leaving a traumatic marriage as a 20-something. Fast forward to today, I now run a seven-figure agency with a team of 10 and growing and have built over a million dollars in net worth while balancing taking care of my health and prioritizing being a wife and mom. In this podcast, I will teach you how to scale your business, take home a six-figure paycheck, and save and invest for your financial future without having to sacrifice your life today. Well, hello, and welcome to episode number 100 of the Profit and Prosper podcast. I'm really excited to be recording episode 100 today. To me, it is a huge milestone, and to celebrate that milestone, I am doing some coaching on this episode. I've got five listener-submitted questions about different areas of their business and money, so I'm going to go through each of those and give you my opinions and advice and talk through the things that I would consider for each of the individual business owners. We've got topics on everything from offers, pricing, hiring, saving more money, and investing. We've got a pretty good selection if you want to jump to um, any of the questions that you feel are relevant, you can find the timestamps in the show notes. Thanks to Kristen, my podcast producer, for pulling that together, as always. And before I jump into the questions, I just want to say, again, thank you to all of you who listen, because I would not have made it to episode 100 if nobody listened, if nobody gave me the feedback that we get on the podcast. So for those of you who listen, thank you, thank you. And especially a giant thank you to those of you who take the time out of your day to leave me a review and share the episodes with your friends, because those are the absolute best ways for me to keep growing the podcast and to help more women business owners like yourselves be able to make more money, save more money, and build wealth and financial freedom as entrepreneurs. So without further ado, what I'm going to do is read out each of the questions, and then I will just give you my hot takes. I actually haven't scripted my answers yet. So these will just be off-the-cuff answers. Like if you were in a coaching call with me, this is kind of how I roll. So without further ado, question number one is this. My business is not breaking even and I can't pay myself and my expenses consistently. I think I just need to sell more. I don't think I can increase the price of my services from where they're at right now. Would it be better to start offering coaching kind of like how you did, meaning you meaning me? Um, And this business owner, as a little background, has a brick and mortar service-based business and sells classes and things similar to that to um, consumers. So it's a B2C service-based business. It has a physical location. So let's break down a few of my thoughts. One of the things that stood out to me the most was that they're asking if it would be easier to start coaching. And I actually have had a few people in my DMs lately comment on, I just wish I had a digital course or wish I had coaching. And I just want to tell you, I don't care what all these people say on Instagram. Coaching, building a coaching business and selling 
digital courses is not inherently easier than growing the business that you already have. The only reason that I started offering the coaching programs that I have and starting to do digital courses is because I feel like it is truly my like life's calling to be more of an educator and teacher for people. It's just something that I really enjoy doing. I didn't enjoy it because I needed the money. Frankly, I've not netted a ton of money off of my coaching. I mean, it's been a, you know, a small paycheck, but I make a crap ton more money off of Young & Co. Young & Co is the breadwinner for me and my family. And so don't think just because you see all of these influencers and coaches in their marketing talking about how easy it is to start a coaching business because or to sell digital courses because that's just their marketing. Okay. It takes a lot of volume. It takes a whole different type of business model than what you're used to, especially coming from a brick and mortar type of business. And I'm not saying you can't be successful there. I'm just, I'm just thinking about what is actually easier. So what is actually easier if you have an existing business, you already have clients, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that it might be the path of least resistance to optimize the business that you currently have. And I think that mindset stuff comes into play here because you're probably feeling, I'm just going to guess, right? You're feeling a little bit run down. You're feeling worn out by your business. You're feeling like I'm not succeeding. Maybe you're afraid that it's going to fail. And so you feel like, mm, instead of dealing with some of these uncomfortable feelings, I'm going to go try something entirely new because that might be easier because all these people on Instagram say it's going to be. So I would really think about like what is causing you to not want to address the business that you have. And again, I'm not here to say, no, you must keep running the business you have because sometimes it is a good decision to walk away if it's something that's not going to work. But based on what I know from Insta stalking, I think that this is absolutely a business that can work. So with a B2C brick and mortar service-based business, I will say when you know you hear me talking about offering a higher ticket sort of offer, um, because in my opinion, I think those offers are a lot more scalable and it's just a different model than going after volume. That is not going to be like, you're not going to be able to exactly do that with a brick and mortar service type businesses in most cases. And that's not to say you can't, because there's certainly things that people pay for. If you listen to Alex Hormozzi, he says that the main markets are wealth, health, and relationships. So if you are helping someone improve their wealth, their health, or their relationships, then absolutely there's an opportunity um, to charge a higher ticket price. So when you think about the offers that you have, I would start to think about, you know, outside of the box that if you feel like the classes you have are at capacity and then thinking about, you know, would it be helpful potentially to look at having a more premium type of offer or maybe going into something like a subscription model, for example, we've got clients at Young & Co. who are in a similar type of industry who do have a membership subscription type of model and they make really great money off of it, but it's just a different type of model. And so when I talk about offers that are higher ticket or more scalable and more profitable, you don't always have to go with like the super premium high ticket offer. There are different models that work well for different types of businesses. So maybe thinking just a little bit outside of the box could be helpful in this suit situation, but I think I, I would not want you to get sidetracked. Like we need to make sure that the core business is operating well. 
And so without getting distracted on trying to add new offers or new types of services on, like that may not in and of itself solve the problem. And so when we think about a business that's not breaking even and you're not able to pay yourself and your expenses consistently, what I want to know is what is the revenue target that you have? And so if you go back and do the math of this is how much money I need to bring in in order to pay for my team, to pay for my supplies, to pay the rent and to pay myself and my taxes, this is how much I need to have coming in. And then we take it a step further and say, okay, if my revenue goal is, let's say it's $20,000 just as a number. And then each of my classes is, let's say, $50, then how many classes is that per month? So 20,000, I'm pulling up my calculator, 20,000 divided by 50 is 400 classes per month, or 400 students, rather, 400 purchases at $50 a piece. And so what I'm going to be thinking about is, do I even have the capacity to do $400, 400 um, students per month? How many classes is that with, let's say, 20 people per class? So it would be 20 classes with 20 people per class paying you $50 per session, right, is is the goal. And so I'm going to look at what is that target number and I'm going to compare that to reality and say, well, is this something that's even like feasible for me to do? Do I need, do I have the capacity to hit that goal or is it just a marketing issue? Do it, maybe I have the capacity, I'm just not filling it up. And so we need to focus on the marketing efforts to really bring more people in. In addition to potentially having that, you know, different type of model or a higher ticket sort of model so that you're not only relying on, you know, the standard rate. So hopefully that gives you some ideas for directions. I think one, we just have to make sure we understand what the actual issue is, the underlying issue, and make sure we're addressing that and not getting sidetracked by other things that maybe seem like they're easier, but I can promise you from experience, like, I think the path of least resistance is not to go create something entirely new from scratch. It is to optimize what you already have. All right, y'all moving on to question number two. This one reads, I'm a pretty new in business. I started it last year. I've had several clients, but I'm struggling to consistently bring in new clients. I'm charging less than $1,000 per month for my services, which as background, these are B2B marketing services. I'm charging less than $1,000 per month and people are not signing up. Should I add more services so I have a more diversified offer suite? My initial answer is no. I have seen a lot of people who scale their businesses with just one really great offer. And I don't think that having more different services is going to solve the problem. Because I think that what's happening is if you are in a B2B space, especially in marketing with the impact you could potentially have on your clients, to me, having a service that's less than $1,000 per month is not even worth it. So if I'm going to do any sort of monthly fee for a B2B service, I would really like you to get up to at least $1,000 per month. And if you are going to think about having a more diversified offer suite, consider having three offers in your offer suite. And so have like a good, better, best with the good being $1,000 per month. And then maybe better is not a whole different offer with different deliverables. Maybe you're just playing with like the, the frequency or the quantity or like the time that you spend directly on with with a client or maybe you're adding a more strategic component to the higher level offers but I don't think that it needs to be a whole bunch of different offers because that can be really difficult to execute on if you've got 
a bunch of different offers with different deliverables and different timelines and different types of clients, I think it can be really hard to manage that once you get more than a handful of clients in. And so to me, that's not super scalable. And so, you know, the re- the reaction for people can be like, well, I'm not charging a ton, like I'm charging less than other people. Why are people not signing up? And I think that it is an issue in the way, like it's probably an issue in the way that the offer is structured and in the messaging of the offer. And so you really have to get clear. And this just happens. You have to talk to real life human beings to do this, but you have to get super clear on what does your ideal client truly want? What is the result that they want? And how can you deliver that result to them? And so within the marketing space, it is what is the result your client is looking to get out of this platform or service that you are helping them with? And how can you help them get the results that they want better and faster? What are the things you need to do in order to get them that result? And that's what you package up in your offer. And then when you get clear on exactly what they want, their desires, their goals. You can talk about their pain points, their roadblocks, their struggles, and you figure this out just by talking to people, right? Then you can use that in your messaging. And so in your messaging, you have to address all of those underlying elements of what your ideal client is. Like you need to get in their head, right? You need to show that you understand where they're at and where they want to be for them to trust you, that you can do what you say you're going to do. And so I think there's sort of a a couple things that need to be done. And so revamping what's included in the offer to make sure it delivers the results that they want. And then revamping the messaging, going out and validating the offer with real life people and talking to them and saying, hey, do you have this problem? Yes or no? Tell me in your words, like, what do you think the problem is? Or what do you think the solution is? What are the things you've tried that haven't worked? And then make sure that you bake all of that into your messaging. And then when you get on sales calls with people, you can use those words and help show, okay, you do know what they're thinking in their head. You do know their businesses Um, that then makes it easier to convert. So it's not about having a whole bunch of different offers. It's not about having super cheap offers. It is about speaking so clearly to your ideal client that they believe, they believe in the value you provide. They believe that you are the expert to help them do the thing and they're ready to pay even a higher price than $1,000 a month. Moving on to question number three. I'm a solopreneur and I've had my business for over five years. I would love to grow more, but I feel like I'm at capacity with the work that I can handle. I make pretty good money. My family doesn't quote unquote need more money. So I don't feel like I have to grow just for the sake of growing. But there are definitely things in my business that I don't want to do anymore. I'm just really hesitant to hire support. I'm worried about hiring the wrong person and having them ruin the whole client experience. What should I do? I think there's a lot of things to point out in this one. I think that Absolutely growing for the sake of growing is is not where it's at. And so I think if your goal is to grow your business, I mean, I've been pretty open. My goal is to grow Young & Co. into multi-millions of dollars. And, you know, it's and I have a reason for it. It's not just for the sake of growth. It's a few things. My reasoning is one for my own personal wealth goals to get there faster and live the life that I really want to live for me and my family 
And on the other hand, it is to have more of an impact because I see a huge gap in that market. And I think that me and my team can serve it really well. So I have a why for why I want to grow the way that I want to. But if you feel like growing your business just for the sake of growing it, obviously we don't want to just do it if there's no bigger reason why. But on the other hand, I do think that if you're going to be in your business for the long term, if your business is going to be sustainable, then we have to not, we have to let go of this badge of solopreneurship. I think sometimes people say, oh, I'm a solopreneur. I don't need anybody else. And I'm like, well, good. I'm glad that works for you. And also, I think that there comes to be a point where, especially if you like to have the creative time and more like freedom of your time, then it can be really great. It can be life-changing to get support, for the, to hire the right person, to have them help you do some of the tasks that maybe you don't want to do, some of the more administrative, routine, day-to-day things that don't require your specific skill set or your magic. You can absolutely still be involved in the client process without touching every single piece of the process. Okay, so I think that when it comes to hiring, it is just the reality of the situation that there is always a risk that something's not going to work out, just like with the whole rest of business, right? Anytime you start a business, there's a risk that it's all going to fail for one reason or the other. And it's just having a team member who isn't a great fit or who doesn't work out is absolutely something that could happen. But there's things you can do to mitigate those ahead of time. And so I would get clear on what your version of enoughness looks like. And I'm going to throw in a little bit of the money side here too. Just paying the bills, in my opinion, is not enough because we all need to make sure that we are saving and investing and paying off our debts and just having more income is not a bad thing, right? Again, not just having more income for the sake of having income, but really getting clear on what is the purpose behind the income that your business generates and what can that do for you and your family? For me, it was, it allowed my husband to quit his corporate job. It is going to allow us, we're on track to be able to quote unquote retire or become work optional in my forties. And for other people, they can do that even faster. Or maybe it's to have your dream home or to put your kid in the school that you really would love for them to go to or whatever it is. I think we have to start there and get clear on like, what is the purpose behind the money you make and then design the business to generate that. So if you're paying the bills, but maybe you could say, hey, I would love to have like an extra fifty dollars to $100,000 a year to put towards these things, these investments or my kid's school or whatever, then you can design a business around that and you can get support so that you can generate the income in a way that doesn't drain you even further. But I think ultimately, and this is just for me personally, I I really don't love doing the day-to-day stuff. And I know that some people do, but a lot of us get into entrepreneurship because we like the big picture and the creativity that can come with it. And anything that keeps me away from that, I have tried to make it my life's mission to delegate over time because those are the things like maybe it was fun when you first started your business in the first couple of years. But after, I mean, what am I on? Year six, I'm in year six since I started side hustling at the end of 2018. So I'm working on year six and I'm going to tell you there's stuff that I'm over it now. Like I just don't want to do it anymore. 
And so having team support is really helpful because I can make sure that things still happen. And I can also provide support for somebody else. Like the, I, the fact that we have like eight team members now, you know, some people might see it as a burden, but I see it as this amazing thing that I get to support, not just my family, but eight other people's families with the business that came literally from my head. Okay. So maybe just a little bit of reframe, maybe focusing on what is the purpose of the money that you make and how can we design the business and the support structure in a way that would make you feel more energetic and make you feel excited about it and not draining you. And the last thing I'll add is, you know, for this business, for any service business, like you don't have to hire, like people assume when you go to hire somebody, it's going to be full-time salary benefits, all these things. And while those are great, you don't have to start with a full-time hire. You can start outsourcing to another another firm. You can um, hire part-timers. You can get an intern, right? Like there's so many different options that are not as burdensome as you think they're going to be. Now on to question number four, which is, I have a money question. So this one's a money question, um, not just a business one. My business pays the bills for my family and my husband also works. We have two kids, one in daycare. We have two Airbnbs. My husband is into real estate, but not much cash and savings. We have some student loan debt and not much money in retirement. I feel overwhelmed thinking about how far I have to go with my money situation. What should I prioritize first? I'm going to map out exactly what I would prioritize. And the very short answer is cash. I think cash is king for so many reasons. But before we map that out, I think that a lot of people get into this situation where they feel overwhelmed thinking about all of the things that they have to do to like, quote unquote, get in the right place with their money situation. And there's also a lot of learning that has to come into place because you've got, especially as a business owner, you know, you've got your business income, you've got taxes, you've got your W-2 if you're an S-corp owner, you've got the all the different retirement types of accounts, you've got rental properties throwing being thrown into the mix here too, and student loan debt and all sorts of things. And so it can feel like a lot if you, like many of us, don't learn money stuff in school, right? So I think that just understand that it's okay and it is going to take time. You know, getting... Building wealth can definitely take a lot of time. And I don't say that to mean to be, you know, negative in any way. It's just the reality of the situation. It can take a while. And so the sooner that you start taking some steps toward feeling more secure with your money situation, the faster you're going to get to your end goal. So if I were to prioritize your money situation, I think that I would prioritize cash savings first. I don't see anything in here about credit card debt, mortgages, whether you have um, a mortgage or renting or any of that. And so I'm going to assume that you don't have a ton of debt outside of the student loans. And I'm going to guess potentially mortgages on the rental properties. But again, I don't know. But I'm going to assume that you don't have a lot of debt beyond that. Um, but I would prioritize cash. Because especially for 2024, I mean, I think overall, when we think about the economy, I'd say it's better. I feel like we're on the upswing and this is purely anecdotal. Like I'm not um, an econ, you know, professor or any anything. But I feel like just 
from working with clients and seeing financials and all of it, you know, inflation is better than it was. I feel like we're, you know, pretty back to normal from COVID finally. And I think we had a weird, you know, Q3, Q4, even into Q1 a little bit in terms of a lot of people are saying their business is slowing down. We're also going into an election year, though, and so that can increase a lot of uncertainty until after we get past um, November. And I think knowing that I would probably prioritize cash above anything else. And so I feel like I say this in every episode, which means I've said it about 100 times since we're on episode 100, but I would prioritize this year. Um, I would look at your business budget and your personal budget And I would map everything out and try to figure out how could we save up our cash cushions this year, both in the business and for you personally, because I think having that cushion is so, so crucial to feeling secure and more confident in running your business. I do think it's nice that you've got a couple other income streams, your husband working and the rental properties. And so I'd be curious if you could look at what you're making in your business, your husband's salary, and then the rentals and say, you know, could we just pay the bills? Like how much do we need to just pay the necessities? And then, you know, maybe you can live off of your husband's salary, for example, I don't know the answer, but if you could live off of your husband's salary um, for just the necessities, then maybe you just take any of the rental income and then, you know, a good chunk of your business income and put it straight into savings. Like don't even put it into your primary checking account. Don't let yourself even think for a second that that is cash money to be spent. Just like get it direct deposited into a savings account. Go to Ally, open up a high yield savings and start piling cash into that. I think after doing this with all those different income streams you have, I think that you will feel a lot less overwhelmed because you'll at least have a cash cushion there. Beyond that, I think with the rentals, I mean, you know, maybe you want to buy more real estate in the future, in which case some of that savings needs to be built up for a down payment, for example, you know, but I would look at any debt you have, the student loan debt and say, what's the interest rate? And if anything is a high interest, like seven, eight plus percent, I would prioritize that also and see, you know, once you get your cushions built up, can you pay off the debt? especially if it when it has a high interest rate just because it eats away at your cash flow. I would prioritize cash though before paying a ton more against debt because like if you I've seen so many people who will pay off debt and then not have any cash savings and then something happens and they have to go back into debt again. And so we have to be able to break that cycle. So I would prioritize the debt probably next and then you know for retirement I'll tell you, I've said this before, I don't personally put all of my eggs, all of my extra money into retirement. As you know, we bought a business last year. We're probably going to buy more businesses in the future. And so I need cash to be able to do that. Um, But I do still, at a minimum, max out my IRA contribution because I have done the math and I've got 125-ish thousand in there right now. If I max out, put 6,500 a year, then I will have, when I hit retirement age, I'll have over a million dollars in that account. And to me, that's what I call my oh shit retirement fund. If all else fails, I at least will have that money sitting there. That makes me feel more secure. So, you know, think about that. I think that could be a more next level conversation to have with a financial planner. And side note, stay tuned at Young & Co., Um, because I'm in the process of getting my CFP license, y'all. I don't know if I've said that on the podcast yet, but I'm in the process of getting it. And so 
um, we will probably, hopefully by the summer, have some personal financial planning offers for our business owner clients. Um, so definitely keep an eye out for that. Lots of exciting things. But I think that would be a conversation you could have with a financial planner. At least go out and find, you know, pull up a retirement calculator and say, like, how much do I need to be putting in retirement? Or if I put, you know, $6,500 into an IRA, both you and your husband, assuming you you qualify, if you were to do that, um, how much would you have in retirement? And is that, you know, something that you want to shoot for? But I would say even, you know, depending on how much extra cash you have, if you could, you know, sock away cash to build up your savings to at least have, I'd say at least two months worth, at least at a bare, bare minimum, one month in your business. And then for your personal life, at least three to six months. And then once you get there, use the same cash to start plowing away at the debt and then, you know, making your basic retirement contributions. I think if you were to just take a couple of steps, so we feel overwhelmed, think about the next, you know, two to three steps that you need to take and start taking action on those things and then let the rest go. Okay. Once you're consistently doing those two to three things, or once you accomplish, let's say you accomplish, you build up your full cash cushion, then um, you can focus on the next steps. Okay. But overwhelm comes from thinking about all the stuff we have to do and telling ourselves we're never going to get it done. We don't have enough time. And that is just not true. Okay. Start with the baby steps that I have outlined here for you. We have one final question submitted. Question number five is, my business is making more money than I know what to do with. Congrats, by the way. That's something that not a lot of people can say. I know I need to catch up on taxes and I want to prioritize paying for my kids' school. I don't have much in retirement and I know I should put more into retirement, but I worry all the time my business isn't going to last. So I struggle with the idea of putting money away and I want to just hoard my cash. What should I do next? I talk about this all the time where, and this is not for the, the person who submitted the question. This is for everybody else listening. I want you to hear the question and hear me when I tell you that making more money is not going to solve your money problems because you can still, you can make a good money, make good money in your business and you can still, still feel like you don't have enough or that it's not going to last. And so that is super, super common. All of these things are money mindset issues coming up that at least you have the awareness that you can identify that this is a worry that you have because a lot of people can't even identify that. But by of itself, making more money does not automatically make you feel secure, okay? So I think that for the, for the person who asked this question, here's what I would say. I struggle also with the idea of my business failing. That is my like deep underlying fear that anytime I have some sort of mindset issue coming up, it almost always comes back to I'm going to fail. And so what I ask myself, I think we talked about this in the interview episode I did a couple weeks ago with Kelsey, where she asked the question, what if you do fail? What if this does happen? Like, what are you going to do? And, you know, for me, the first up the awareness of this, the fact that this is going through your head and then walking through what is the worst case scenario and like, what would I do if this happened? Sometimes just helps me realize like it's going to be okay. You know, even if my business fails, I'm still married, hopefully, <laughs> you know, I still have my son. We have each other. We have our health. 
and it's going to be okay, right? Like the things that are truly the most important in my life are not going anywhere. So asking yourself, what if you do? And then from a more tactical standpoint, let's say, okay, what if your business doesn't last? What would you do financially? Most people would probably say, okay, well, I'd go get a job. Fine. But could you, instead of thinking about it in terms of, well, my business is going to fail. So I feel like I just need to pile up cash now because I might need it later. I think knowing like if you might go get a job, if your business were to fail, then you theoretically wouldn't need a ton of cash. And so what if you said, hey, well, while I have really good money coming in, let me capitalize on that. Let me take some of the excess and start investing it to get myself light years ahead. So even if my business doesn't last, I at least have that money there and I'm set up for more success, more wealth, even if I have to go back and get another job. And then worst, worst case, even if you put money into investments, you can always pull it out. And sure, there's penalties for retirement accounts and things, but like worst case scenario, you can pull the money out, okay? So I would actually think through what would be more beneficial to you in the event that your business did fail. And I think the answer would be being smart with your money now and purposely putting it into investments and doing things that benefit you down the road. Now, on the thing with the kids' school, so many of my clients, both, you know, coaching clients and Young & Co. are women with kids, and they almost always want to prioritize their kids' 529s and things of that nature before their own retirement. I just want you to really stop and think, like, for your kids, do you think your kids would prefer that their moms pay for their college or not have retirement, like pay for their college, but not have retirement or to be able to take care of themselves in retirement. Because if you don't have retirement, what are you going to do? You're going to have to rely on your kids, right? <laughs> Who, you know, you'll go to them and be like, well, I paid for your school. So now you have to pay for my, you know, senior care, living, assisted living, whatever it's called, right? What do you think they would prefer? And I think for most people, like they'd probably prefer that you're taken care of in retirement so that they don't have to add on to that burden to them when they're in their years of, you know, when you're older, they're going to be in their years potentially of being at peak careers and having kids and like life is busy then. And so do you want to add on to their plate of things that they're responsible for? No, probably not. And if you're then thinking to yourself, well, I'm married and my husband makes a good money and he puts money into his retirement, I'm going to tell you, please do not rely on your husband's retirement, okay? You need money in your name and you have a business that makes good money. We're going to put that money into retirement in your name because I have seen plenty of examples of women who do not take care of themselves throughout their lives. They get into old age and their husband either you know, they get divorced, maybe their husband passes away, and then all of a sudden they're left with nothing. Okay. So we need to avoid that happening. And so I think with you in this specific situation, when you're saying my business is making more than I even know what to do with, I have a feeling you might be able to prioritize both of the kids' school and your own retirement. But in terms of my like top tier priorities, it would be looking at what are the retirement and other investments that you could make now that would set you up for long-term success, potentially also give you some really good tax breaks along the way to help you pay less in taxes? Because if you're making a lot of money, 
I know that tax bill is going to be huge. And you said even in the question, I need to catch up on taxes, right? So if there's ways that we could prioritize your investments, and then do you have enough left over to help out with the kids' school and some other things, okay? And this might be a good example of hiring kids in your business if they're old enough um, to be able to help use your business to pay them. And then you can have them put that money into their own savings accounts for school or into their own Roth IRAs or things like that. Okay. And so hopefully that helps in terms of prioritizing and in terms of, I think just the overall mindset shift of even when we have a lot of money, we can still feel like we don't have enough or that it's going to be taken away from us at any minute. And I think the more that we continue thinking in that way, I think it's more likely to cause you to do things that don't benefit you in the long run. All right, y'all. So that was it for the questions that were submitted, the ones I picked to answer. And so I feel like we covered some really good topics. This was fun for me to do. And so if you like this episode, please make sure you let me know because I'm happy. I would love nothing more than to do some more coaching episodes or even some live episodes. I think that would be really fun. And so just let me know if you like this episode and I will certainly add more in. The last thing I want to leave you with is make sure that you are on my email list or you're following me on Instagram because over the last month or so, I have been doing a lot of planning and strategizing and scheming in a good way for all of the things that are going to be going on in my world, whether through all of my like coaching and teaching programs. And also over at Young & Co, we just have a lot of really fun stuff going on and new things coming out. So you are going to want to make sure you are on my email list. You can go to my show into the show notes and click on the link for Millionaire Mondays and sign up there to get on my email list or make sure you're following me on Instagram at it's Sarah Young because I tend to announce things in my stories there. So that's all we got for today, y'all. Again, thank you so much for listening and helping me get to episode number 100 of the podcast. And I'm really excited for what's to come in the next 100 plus episodes. And I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Listening and learning is great, but implementing what you learned is even better. So what's one thing you can do this week to make more money in your business, save for your financial future, and start living your most prosperous life? If you found this episode helpful, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and share with a friend because it helps me reach more amazing female entrepreneurs like yourself. See you in next week's episode.